Psalm 22, verse 26. And it says in Psalm 22, verse 26, it says in Psalm 22, verse 26, it says, The meek will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. The word appetite is very interesting. Of course, I think we all know what to have an appetite means. To have an appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need, especially for food. We know that. To hunger, to need the need for food, to desire, or for gluttony. These are different things. Sometimes people just want to eat, 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 eat. That's gluttony. And there's a second definition for it. It's a strong desire or liking for something. Not necessarily about eating. For instance, some people have an appetite for success. Some pe people have an appetite for life. They just want to live or they want to live good. Some people have an appetite for happiness. They want to be happy, happy, happy. Some people will have an appetite for money. They have an appetite for money. Sometimes some people will say it's the same as success, not necessarily. Some have an appetite for lust. That kind of spells itself out. Some have an appetite for anger. And with that, an appetite for revenge. You see uh, most movies with villains, really good villains. I don't know if there is such a thing. I mean, there's a fun villain to watch, but those bad guys, they have an appetite for revenge. And then there's, of course, good people who have an appetite for family and peace. And then there's others who sometimes have, a, have an appetite for career. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, as long as we don't let it overtake you. And then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. An appetite for something, whatever that might be. The title of today's sermon is Your Appetite. And I realize that that could be a very difficult thing to listen to today when we talk about your appetite, whenever we have meals in the back that are waiting for us, and we just want to say, all right, pastor, shut up and let us eat. But we will take our time and go through it. It's only going to take two or three hours. I'm, of course, joking. I'm joking, especially in the last two weeks. It took me quite a while to get through the sermon that I've already been asked by different folks. Make sure you don't take us along while the food's waiting. Don't worry, it won't, it won't, it won't. However, please turn with me now. Turn with me now to 1 Samuel as we read 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1 through 35, most of the chapter. 1 Samuel. 25. We're going to talk a little bit about an appetite. Let's take a look at this appetite of somebody in particular. And as we read 1 Samuel chapter 25, we see an appetite occur. A couple appetites, actually. We'll, we'll, re, we'll read the end of this chapter later today. But first, let's start off with a certain appetite as we read 1 Samuel chapter 25. And it starts off in the very first verse. It says, uh, Samuel, of course, that's who started writing this book, but not the whole book, obviously, as we see here. Well, there's two books of Samuel here, but we see, he says in Samuel chapter 25, Now Samuel died, and all the children of Israel gathered together and mourned him, and they buried him in his home in Ramah. Then David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, I, I guess we can assume and know that David had to be sad. He loved Samuel very much. Samuel was a good man of God. 
Everybody loves Samuel for the most part. The people of Israel gave him trouble early in his life when he was serving the Lord God. And he didn't ever really want to call upon a king, especially the first king who was Saul. He was following God, and he thought that people saying that wasn't him doing a good job, but that wasn't really the case, and God made sure he knew that. However, he said it was just people being disobedient to the Lord. It really had nothing to do with him. But Samuel did call Saul because that's what the people wanted at the time, and Saul didn't follow God. But he did also go and anoint David. And David didn't see himself being good at these things, but God saw it. God knew what David could do. David loved Samuel very much. And I'm assuming at this point in time, I'm assuming because we know that Daniel, uh, David loved Samuel very much. And David had to be overrun by his emotions at this time. And we can assume this. You say, we shouldn't assume. Well, in this case, we can assume this because we know what it's like to lose someone that we're very close to. We know that. And we know how we are overrun by our emotions when we lose someone close. Now, let's go on with this. Verse 2. Now, there was a man in Maon whose, whose work was in Carmel. I've been to Carmel. Some people call it Carmel, but I'm going to call it Carmel. He was a rich man with 3,000 sheep and 3,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal. And the name of his wife was, was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and beautiful. But the man was harsh and evil in his actions, and he was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent out ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you will, be, you will say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, and peace to your household, and to all that you have, peace. I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds were with us. We did not harm them, nor did they miss anything all the days they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a good day, please give whatever you find at your servants, excuse me, find at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David. Then they waited, and Nabal, Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? Today, many servants are breaking away, each one from his master. Should I then take my bread and my water and my meat, that which I have killed for my shears, and give it to the men whose origins are unknown? So David's young men turned themselves around and went back, and they came and reported to him all these words. David said to his men, Each man strapped on his sword, and each man strapped on his sword. David also put on his sword, and 400 men went up after David, but 200 men, 200 stayed with the baggage. That means 600 men were following David, and they were ready to go out and slaughter. They were ready to go out and slaughter this man for turning his eyes. Now, David was being nice and all that. However, David was emotional. Now, we can understand why when we see that he was very emotional because of what happened to Samuel. Was he being irrational? I believe he was. I believe he was being emotional and being irrational. Was his hurt, feelings hurt? Sure, they were hurt. We can understand his feelings were hurt after he was nice to him. 
and didn't have to be nice to all these young men, didn't have to be. His feelings were hurt. We get it. Our feelings are hurt all the time. I get my feelings hurt sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we have the right just to let our emotions get the better of us, but, but I digress. So let's go back. Verse 14. Now on, excuse me, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, listen, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to bless our master. He railed against them. See, he wasn't just talking. He was being hateful. He was being a jerk. But the men were very good to us, and we were not harmed, nor did we miss anything. All the days we went about with them in the field, we were a wall. They were a wall to us about uh, both by night and day. All the days we were with them, keeping the flocks. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For evil is determined against our master and against all this household. He is such a worthless man. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Even his people that work for him know that he's worthless. That's a horrible thing. But I've known some people that many people believe that about. He is such a worthless man, he says, that, he, that one cannot speak to him. In other words, he's a hothead. Have you ever had anyone you know like that? You can't say hi nor bye. You can't say anything to them without them getting hot and, and ready just to slaughter you. I've had people like that in my life where you're afraid to say anything to them without them doing anything against you. I've had that before. Maybe you've known people like that too. People that you're afraid to even talk to. And, and I'm sorry if you've had that. I do pray and hope that people don't think about me that way. But if ever you get to know me and I'm that way, uh, I apologize. <laughs> I hope I'm never lighting the ball. But I have known people like that. Now, when I was a young man, when I was a young man, every time I met someone like that, I always thought of them like Bluto or Brutus from Popeye, ready to just knock people out, just saying hi to them. And it seems like Nabal was that way. Even his workers felt that way. Such a hothead, no one could even speak to him. Well, listen to what it says in verse 18. Then Abigail hurried and two, with 200 loaves, Two bottles of wine, five prepared sheep, five messengers uh, of ro excuse me me measures of roasted grain, and hundreds of clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs. She loaded them on donkeys, and she said uh, to her servants, "Go on before me. See, I will be coming after you." But she did not tell her husband Nabal, and I think that was wise. Uh, it says in verse 20, and she was riding on a donkey and going down into the cover of the mountain. Uh, David and his men were coming down to meet her, and she met them. Now David had said, he had already said this to his men, David had said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this man has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good, so may God do unto the enemies of David, and more also if by morning I leave even one male of all who belong to him. He, we can see that David was planning on killing just about everybody. We can see David was so angry he was about to bring harm upon them all. But let's see what happens in verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hurried, got down from the donkey, and fell before David upon her face, and she bowed herself to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, Against me alone, my Lord, is the guilt. 
Please let your handmaid speak in your ears and hear the words of your handmaid. Please do not let my Lord set his heart against this worthless man, against Nabal, for as his name is so, it, so, so as his name, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. It basically means he's a fool. Now, how would you like to be named? But I, your handmaid, did not see the young men of my Lord, whom you sent. Now, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and so, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from coming in bloodshed, and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now let your enemies and those seeking to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this blessing which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the transgressor of your handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord, come on him, a sure house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all your days, even if a man rises to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord will be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out, as from the follow, excuse me, as from the hollow of a sling it will be. When the Lord does for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor an offense of the heart of my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your handmaid. The Lord God used Abigail in this to stop David from reacting upon himself, reacting upon his own revenge. Now, David had every right to be upset and angry, but a lot of times it's what we do. We get angry for ourselves, and we try to seek vengeance for ourselves, and that is not necessarily of God. And David at this moment had an appetite for revenge. And listen to what David said to Abigail in verse 32. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your discretion, and blessed are you who have kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hand. For as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from in, in, injuring you, if you had not hurried to come and meet me, surely there would not have been left even one male to Nabal by the morning light. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and have granted your request. David had all of this appetite in his heart for many, many things. And we have appetite. Many times in our life, we have appetite. Sometimes people do us wrong, and we seek an appetite. We seek an appetite. And there are appetizers in our lives. Maybe sometimes we go to a restaurant, and you want an appetizer before you eat. Has anyone ever done that? I'm sure you have. We've all had appetizers. 
So before we go into different things, let's look at the appetizers in our life. An appetizer, of course, is brought to eat or to wake your appetite. It makes you desire more for the main course. We know that. But what does it say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 3? Especially when we're a brand new baby. Maybe we stay in a newborn state a lot longer than we should. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 3, it says, As newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow. Verse 3 says in 1 Peter chapter 2, If it is true that you have experienced that the Lord is good. So we need to desire the pure milk of the word so we can grow. It's like those appetizers. Once we have the appetizing truth of the word, we grow on it. We can grow on it. Oftentimes, though, people don't just appetize on that. They will appetize and have an appetizer of sin, and they'll grow on that, and we shouldn't. Too often we enjoy food for the enjoyment of the taste buds, not for the nutrition of healthy eating or a spiritual appetite, as they should, but sometimes of a worldly thing. Now, we all have taste buds. We know that. Maybe some taste buds are, uh, stand out more to you. Some things you want to eat on more. For instance, we all have taste buds. There's the salty. Sometimes we want the salty things. There's the sweet. I think we all like our sweets. You know, sometimes we have a sweet tooth. We, we go on that. There's also the savory meat and things like that. That's the savory. There's the sour. I don't understand these young kids nowadays. My nephew, uh, Freddie, loves the sour heads. You know, I can't handle that jazz. I just can't do it. And, and then there's the bitter. Bitter, they, they say that's the people eat the... Uh, different kinds of salads and things. I don't know how that's bitter, but that's what they call it. They call it bitter. Uh, but we all have these different kinds of, of taste buds. And maybe there's different things that you prefer, things that you want and desire more. But there's different things that people have an appetite for. And in this world, there's people who have an appetite for destruction. That's the people of the world. They have an appetite for destruction. We talked a while ago that people have an appetite for success, for life for happiness, and sometimes the success for life and happiness aren't necessarily for good things. Their success for happiness is things for this world, and that's not good. For career, there's nothing wrong with having a career, but sometimes their career becomes their entire life. And sometimes because of that, they cannot focus on their, their, their family. They cannot focus uh, on the things of the Lord God. I've even seen Christians who they only focus on money. There's nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with being secure. But they focus so hard on those things, they can't focus on, the, on growing spiritually. They can't focus on their wife or on their husbands or on their children. And folks, life is so short. You don't want to miss out on the things that go so quick. And they want to know, why do my kids not have a good relationship with me? Well, if you're not paying any attention to them, it's going to go so quick that you, you've done it to yourself. Or why are my children not in, in finding Jesus important? Are you? Because they only know, what, and it's not always your fault, but if you're not putting any importance on it, they won't either. So there's an appetite for destruction sometimes. Career, money, lust, anger, vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We'll get to that. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 20. Vengeance. Is for the Lord. It says in Romans 12, 17 through 20, repay no evil for evil. Commend what is honest in the sight of all men. If it is possible, 
as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I've been called a fool for trying to be peaceful and kind to everyone. That's only in the sight of the world. We're not to be that way. What does it say in verse 19? Beloved, Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What does he say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. We can't take it in our own hands. We're not to do that. You could, but you'll have to pay for it. We shouldn't. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. No, let's not read. Let's not take this incorrectly. That doesn't mean let's do it to make him mad. Let's do it to show him the love of the Lord God, to show him the right way to do things. Let's try to show them the way to live through love. Some people have sweet tooth, as we said a while ago, but they have a sweet tooth for temptation. I don't know about you. I've never quite had a temptation. I'm not talking about trying to live healthy. That's a good thing. But I've never quite been tempted whenever i am got a sweet tooth. I want a heaping helping of healthy food. My sweet tooth has never been that. You know, I got a sweet tooth. I want a heaping help, healthy helping of lettuce. No, 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 no. That's never been that for me. Most of the time, there's unhealthy living, not spiritual living, and it causes spiritual teeth to decay. But people live an unspiritual life, unhealthy living. And that's what people do when they have the appetite for destruction. Listen to what it says in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 13 through 14. And the Lord was speaking, he was speaking, he spoke, you could say, to a disobedient Israel. This is what he said. He said, therefore, I have struck you a dreadful blow, devastating you because of your sins. Doesn't he do that when we do not obey him? He says, you will eat but not be satisfied. With hunger within you, you will set aside but not retain. And you retain, I will give over to the sword. And what he says, and what you retain, I will give over to the sword. In other words, no matter what we try, when we're not following God, it's not going to stick with us. Our hunger will not be satisfied, no matter what you try. Maybe you've done that. You think, well, if I just live in sin for a little while, that'll be enough for me. But it doesn't stay. I've known people to do that. Well, I'm just going to live in sin for a little while. I've actually known a Christian who's done that. I'm just going to go and sleep around for a little while. I'm just going to drink for a little while. Then I'm going to be satisfied. Then I'm going to get back with God for a little while. I'm just going to do It's a trap. It's a trap. The devil's trying to trap you. Don't fall for that curse. It's a curse. Well, what's the next type of thing for an appetite? What you need is appetite suppression. An appetite suppressor. Well, listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 8.3 for appetite suppressant. Some people use an appetite suppressant for several things. They try to suppress their appetite for the world, but some people try to suppress their appetite for the Lord. But listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 8.3. This is being spoken to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8.3. Talking about the Lord. He humbled you, and you suffer hunger. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know what man does not 
that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You see, God suppressed all their hunger by giving them manna, that they would not starve. That's what God gave them. But Jesus remembered this. And Satan came and tried to tempt Jesus when he was out there for 40 days without eating. And Satan tried. Oh, how he tried. He tried to get Jesus to stumble. You ever been so hungry for things in the world? Been so hungry for it? And Satan tries to tempt you. Oh, it's okay. Just do this thing that's bad. Just do that thing that's bad. God will understand. But what do we do? Do we listen? No. Suppress it. How do we suppress that, that appetite of the world? Go to the Word. Go to the Lord. Suppress the appetite of the world by going to the Lord, to the bread of life. Listen what Jesus said. He went back to Deuteronomy 8.3 in Matthew 4.4. 4. But we'll go to Matthew 4.3-4. It says in Matthew 4, 3, And the tempter came to him, being Jesus, and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. See, there's the temptation. Just listen to me. Do what I say. That's what the devil does this all the time. That's what he did to Adam and Eve, isn't it? Listen to me. Don't listen to God. <laughs> he was God, Jesus. Don't listen to God. Listen to me. And he's doing the same thing to you today. Don't listen to God, Christian, listen to me. Listen to all the people in the world. Listen to the people on the news. Listen to the people of the school district. Listen to me on the news. Listen to me on TV. Listen to all the atheists. Listen to all them. Listen to my words. We'll turn this stone into bread. That's not what Jesus says. What did he say? Jesus answered. He answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Go to the Word if you're hungry for knowledge. Go to the Word and He will feed you. Suppress the appetite you have for the world. Don't go to the appetite for destruction. No, no, no. So what do we need? What appetite do we need? We need the appetite for construction. The appetite for construction to be built upon. Not build destruction, but to build for the life of Christ, a life with Jesus. What does it say in Matthew 5, 6? In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said when he was giving the people the words of the Beatitudes, he said this in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? Be filled. Be filled with the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus also said this in John 6, 35. In John 6, 35, Jesus said, to them, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you are hungry right now for the truth, if you are hungry right now for everlasting life, if you are hungry and thirsty right now, come to Jesus Christ. He will help you. You will never hunger or thirst again. Come to Christ. Only Jesus can give you the things you need, not the people out, th out there not the people of the media, and not the President of the United States, no matter who fills the role, only Christ Jesus can help you from now till eternity. Only Him. And then there is after the meal. Oh, after the meal, every time the meal is done, especially on a beautiful meal that we're about to eat. Oh, and by the way, if you're not here, come to the moment of truth. 
310 Randolph Road. Come right now. We're having a meal. You can come right now. Oh, it may seem like an early, and if you're not here for it, too bad. But we're going to be here. We're going to eat. Come on right now. But here's the thing. We're going to have some dessert after this. I love the dessert. But sometimes people get a just and unjust dessert. Because why? You reap what you sow. Sometimes we get what seems just and unjust. And what does that mean? Sometimes we get what we reap. Sometimes we don't. Why? Well, let's talk about that. Some people have an appetite for destruction, and that's what they reap. Sometimes people have an appetite for spiritual healthy living, and many reap that, and many people get rewards that they don't deserve. What I mean by that? Because in reality, if we got what we all truly deserve, we would get eternal damnation. Every single one of us. We would. We would. But because of the grace of our Lord Jesus, you can get what you don't deserve. And that is a dessert that keeps on giving. Sweetness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there are some things that we deserve that we won't receive here in life. Sometimes things happen in life and it says, why did that happen? Well, sometimes things do just happen. So don't think you've always earned things that happen. But some things have happened because we earn it. And we know it. And we know it. What does it say in Proverbs 10.3? In Proverbs 10.3. It says, The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger. Proverbs 10.3 says, The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but he will reject the craving of the wicked. What does it say? And then there is Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. It says, verse 36. Excuse me, verse 31 through 46. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will be separate, excuse me, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer, truly I say to you, as you have done it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those at the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, that means demons. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was, in, I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. 
I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or sick or in prison and did not serve you? And he will answer, truly I say to you, as you did not, did not for one of the least of these, you did not for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is a sad, sad thing. And now, let us turn again to 1 Samuel 25. And as we turn to 1 Samuel 25, we will finish the chapter of 25 as we read verses 36 to 42. And as we read earlier, David allowed Abigail to leave and go back to her home. But what happened after that? It's enough that David, though he was very angry, and he had an appetite for destruction, he had an appetite to destroy, an appetite for revenge, an appetite for a man who did not feed him or take care of his people, even though he took care of his people. What happened? It says in verse 36 of chapter 25 of 1 Samuel, Abigail came to Namal, and he was feasting in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing until the morning light. But in the morning, when the wine was gone out of the ball, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him. I'm sure he was afraid that he was going to be killed. But his heart died within him and he became as a stone. Now, I don't know if that means he had a heart attack or a stroke or what, but either way, he became like a stone. And about ten days after that, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Now, I say to you again, do not take vengeance for yourself. Let the Lord take vengeance, not you. Now, I don't mean that God's going to kill a person you have problems with. Don't take this out of context. I simply mean let God be the one that takes care of things, not you. Isn't it better when God takes care of things, not you? Verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed is the Lord who has defended the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the, for the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and spoke with Abigail to take her as his wife. And I'm going to end with, no, I'll go to 42 here. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke with her, saying, David has sent us to you to take you as his wife. She rose and bowed herself to her, uh, her face to the ground and said, Here is your handmaid, a servant who washed her feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried, hurriedly arose and rode a donkey with her five young women who attended her. And she went after the, uh, the messengers of David to become his wife. So God blessed both of them. He blessed David and he blessed Abigail as she became his wife. Both of them were blessed for being obedient unto the Lord. And this is what I have to say to you. I don't know what appetite you have today. Right now, as we're smelling turkey and other things, I'm sure right now your physical appetite is taking you. I'm sure right now we have appetites for many things, whether it be the physical appetite, or whether it be your emotional appetite, your spiritual appetite, it could very well be an appetite for your success in life. It could be an appetite you have for your family. It might be an appetite for people who are not able to be with you right now. 
It could be an appetite for your spirit. It could be all sorts of things. But know this, when your appetite is to follow God and to put him first, God will take care of you. When you put him first, he will take care of all the other things in a row. He will take care of the things. Do not allow your worldly appetite, the appetite of things that seem right in your eyes, to take over God, because God will take care of you. David almost, almost got in the way of God. Did you see that? David almost allowed his vengeance appetite, his appetite for revenge, to get in the way of God. What would have happened? I don't know. But I seriously doubt that he would have had Abigail as a wife. I seriously doubt that he would have had all these other things come to him because when we get in the way of God, our appetite, our appetite can get in the way of so many things. We allow our worldly appetite to take care of our spiritual appetite. We allow our vengeful appetite to get in the way of our godly appetite. So many appetites can get in the way. But never, never let anything get in the way of your spiritual godly appetite, ever. Because once that happens, you're putting other things before the Lord. You always need to make sure that when your stomach is to growling, and it might be right now, you may need to make sure that it's your spiritual appetite that growls the loudest. Amen? Amen. And I will finish by reading to you Revelation chapter 7, verse 16 through 17. And then I will close in prayer. Revelation 7, 16 through 17 says this. They shall neither hunger anymore, nor shall they thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to be grateful and thankful continuously, and that no matter what appetite we have in life, whether it be for love, whether it be for anger, whether it be for success, whether it be for family, whether it be, Lord God, for peace, whether it be for our spiritual life. I pray, Lord God, we will never let our appetite be anything above our godly spiritual appetite, Lord Jesus. I pray for this, and I pray, Lord God, if you're speaking to anyone right now and trying to help us, Lord God, to get our appetites in order, I pray you'll help us now to do that, that you lead us and guide us to come forward and take care of that today. I pray, Lord God, that you will show us what to do with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.